0: Today we got to celebrate Eden's baptism. It's always a joy to gather at the font. And we recognized one of the things in her baptism that we recognize is the priority of God's grace. We proclaimed that before Eden could make any response of her own, God has already moved toward her in love and claimed her as God's own child. And we said important words of welcome there at the end, recognizing Eden as a member of this community of faith. Her parents and all of us pledged to help her live into this identity, washed in God's grace, and help her grow in her membership in this place. Several years ago, after a baptism service not unlike this one, someone came out at the end of the service and troubled a little bit by the language of the baptism service said, now you know that baby is not a full member, don't you? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, he, ca- he can't vote in a congregational meeting. True, I said. So, he said, as uh, to instruct me further, he's a baptized member but not a member member. A member member that 's one way to think about membership, I guess as the member member way. you join and certain rights are conferred upon you the right to vote in a meeting the the ability to be considered for service as an elder, trying to think of others those are the only two that come to mind you 're not just a baptized member anymore you are a a member member. A, He didn't want to say it, but what he was really trying to say, a real member. This way of thinking about membership, I suppose, is technically correct. It's not altogether wrong. It it fails simply in not being enough. Not being enough. It does not name deeply enough what it means to say we are members of a church, members of a congregation, which is not an institution so much as it is a body. We are deeply connected to one another, connected to God, connected through the Spirit, to all other Christians around the world. As far as we know, there were no membership roles in Paul's churches. There was not the ability to transfer your letter from Ephesus to, say, Galatia. When Paul talks about membership, he's talking about something that goes well beyond affiliation to belonging, and even beyond belonging to something even more radical than that. As he would articulate in other places, Paul sees the church as one body with many members, and he even uses the metaphor of the body. He says, a hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. And the foot cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. We are, as he says here in Ephesians, members of one another, intricately bound and interconnected. Membership, then, is a grace-filled belonging to God and a transformation of the old self to the new and a radical belonging to one another, one body, as Paul says elsewhere, many members. That's a little different than signing your name on the church roll. That's being bound heart and mind and soul to one another. That's recognizing that there is no me without us. Paul has just called on the Ephesians to be renewed in the spirit of their minds and to clothe themselves with the new self created in the likeness of God. Now he attempts to show them what this looks like in the world. I was was preparing for this sermon, and I knew it was going to be a full day for us today. And I decided I wanted to take just one aspect of this rich text to lift before us one area of our lives as members of one another that I thought was most relevant to the time that we are living in right now and spend the remainder of the sermon thinking about that one thing I do believe that the church and the world in 2018 could benefit from some sustained reflection on anger It is interesting to me that Paul mentions anger first, indicating that it must have been an issue for the church in Asia at that time. And how could it not have been an issue? Jewish and Gentile believers in Jesus are trying to come together into a new thing, a new community. Ephesus, like all the churches of Asia, was a bustling and cosmopolitan place with all the stresses and pressures that such diversity places on us. When Jews and Gentiles of varying ethnicities and languages are held uneasily together by the Roman Empire, sparks are going to fly from time to time. People are going to get angry with one another. There are also going to be tensions within the church in such a setting. How is the church going to bring together all of these people with such diversity, such different histories and tastes, cultures, and traditions and help them see themselves as one body, members of each other? How is the church going to hold within itself people who disagree? How is the church going to be diverse and yet unified it was true in the first century it's true in the 21st century that such such a space is going to create stress is going to cause anger from time to time and households are not immune from the stresses of the world either as was certainly the case in paul's time and continues to be true today. As rapidly changing cultural shifts were pressing in on families, causing Paul to spend quite a bit of time in the the letter of Ephesus talking about the family and talking about family life. Families are often the first setting in which we learn what it means to be angry and how to deal with anger. Be angry, Paul says. Be angry. We cannot control our feelings. This is the first lesson we learn in healthy communities. That it's okay to have feelings, even if they're difficult feelings. That it's okay to be angry. If we're not allowed to name that and other uncomfortable feelings, we have No choice but to deny their reality, swallowing our feelings and reaping the whirlwind of disease that such denial brings. Likewise, if a church or society, as a a church or society, we deny whole groups of people the right to name their anger, we see that disease spread into the community. So be angry, Paul says. He names it. But, he goes on to say, do not sin. And do not let the sun set on your anger. We cannot control our feelings. But we can choose how to express those feelings. Psychologists rightly point out that anger is usually a second feeling. It is a response to a prior feeling of hurt or grief or pain. Instead of lashing out at others, instead of swallowing our anger and hurting ourselves, let the anger teach you. Find out where it is coming from before it has the chance to burrow in And during the night, solidify. Not letting the sun go down on your anger is a metaphor, inviting such reflection. It invites us to ask the critical question why am I angry? The answer to that question usually is going to invite deeper reflection on on a hurt a deeper hurt, and perhaps a deeper, more authentic conversation will follow that opens out to the opportunity for healing. The alternative is to go to bed with your anger, increasing the likelihood of waking up to a world shrouded in even deeper resentment and pain and of you and I spreading that pain in the morning light. Frederick Buechner writes, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is probably the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations yet to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back in many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. The comedian Hannah Gadsby in her new special called Nanette talks about anger in her own life. Her comedy, she admits, has been away as it is with many comedians of giving expression to that anger and so she is considering giving up comedy she announces because she says I have the right to be angry I do but I do not have the right I do not have the right to spread that anger all around me I wonder what our quality of life would be our quality of community in the church the quality of our political discourse would be if each time we felt that anger rising each time we encountered someone else who was expressing that anger we recognized before anything else we belong to each other we are members of each other and sought to understand that anger, to not sin in our expression of it or in our response to it. It's just one of the things Paul talks about among many others in this text. But by the time he is done, we know for sure that membership is much more than getting to vote in the congregational meeting. It is nothing less than the radical and difficult belonging that creates authentic community. It is a demanding call. It is a countercultural call. Yet God has given us all we need abundant gifts, the seal of the Spirit, the forgiveness of our sins, the love of Christ. Therefore, let us boldly go from this table. And respond to God's grace. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let us be imitators of God's love. Because with such a witness coming from the church of Jesus Christ. The world will surely turn. May it be so. Amen.